You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. In this episode, I interview Marine Fish Conservation Network's Tom Sadler, and we get into the history of fish conservation, uh, both from a freshwater and, and saltwater standpoint, discuss the value of science, pose the question, can we use Magnuson-Stevens Act as a model for protecting fisheries and our planet from climate change, and also the business case for sustainability. And finally, the amazing work that the Marine Fish Conservation Network is doing to ensure that federal fisheries management is taking a science-based approach. Hope you enjoy. This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Olakai. Olakai is all about handcrafted footwear, finding inspiration in Hawaiian culture and craftsmanship. Fishing is at the heart of Hawaiian culture today, just as it has been for centuries. Generations of fishermen and women expertly cast from rocky shorelines, they spearfish, throw net, and navigate their boats into the deep blue in search of the next catch. No matter how they do it, there's an attention to detail and respect for the ocean that guides their passion. At Olakai, they believe in the same attention to detail when crafting the highest quality shoes and sandals built for every type of marine environment. Olakai's water-friendly Nohea Moku slip-on shoe features razor siping for extra grip on the deck and it's designed for easy on-off barefoot wear. And when it comes to sandals that perform, Olakai's new Ulele provides the comfort and durability of a sneaker. Personally, I love the grip on the Nohea Mokus. They're the perfect shoe for spending a day looking for tails, whether you're on the pulling platform or the casting platform. And I also love that Olakai is a B Corps, uh, meaning that they meet the highest social and environmental standards as a company. Whether you're loading up the boat or shoreline fishing from the rocks, Olokai takes you further. Find your local retailer at olokai.com. So Tom, why don't I was kind of, you know, looking over your your bio and, and you've got like a an amazing um, and clearly have, have spent your from from what I have read and seen, I mean, your entire career has been has been really focused on protecting fisheries, and uh, sounds like some, a lot of it was also at a you know, on on the policy front. But instead of me putting words in your mouth, can you just give us a, a rundown of of how you got into conservation and 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 yeah, I'll just let you let you run with it from there. Sure. Well, um, as you noted, I am the uh, I work for the Marine Fish Conservation. Uh, network here in uh, in Virginia and um, I've, I've been in, involved in fish or fishing or in some capacity since I was about six and a half weeks old there's a historic story that the family told about how I spent my first night under canvas uh, at Little Duck Cove on Moosehead Lake when I was six and a half weeks old and you think about that um that means my mother was six and a half weeks from having given birth so she was an outdoors woman of the first rank um and the story 
she likes to tell is, yeah, he spent his first night out when he was six and a half weeks old, and it's been hard to keep him indoors since. <laughs> and um, and I was very fortunate to have um, grandparents, uh, grandfathers, and grandmothers who were all uh, avid anglers. Um, we spent I spent my summers uh, at on, at Moosehead Lake in Maine, and then part of my summer in Newport, Rhode Island. So got both marine and freshwater fishing in. Um, and I have taken a long journey to get to um, the Marine Fish Conservation Network. Um, I, going sort of backwards before I was here, I was the executive director of the Outdoor Writers Association, um, which was feeding my journalism chops and, and interests. And and then going sort of backwards from there, I worked um, for the Trust for Public Land, doing land conservation work. I um, worked for the Isaac Walton League. I worked for the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Um, and then I also worked in corporate America. I worked for waste management and um, worked for Comsat Corporation. So, but all of those jobs other than really the Outdoor Writers Association were all advocacy jobs, um, you know, lobbying jobs. I, I, I wear the big red L lobbyist um, for, for a number of years. And um, the last half of that has all been pretty much freshwater lobbying, um, working to protect um, our freshwater resources, working with you know the Ikes or the uh, TU and, and and groups like that, and then um, but now uh, spending quite a bit of time uh, doing the marine stuff, which is historic in in my family, but not something that I had spent a lot of time on originally. Um, but came to it frankly because I was appalled as I learned more about what's happening to our marine resources. Um, I was appalled at what was happening and realized that if this had been happening on the terrestrial side, there'd be pitchforks and torches. And there's a lot of reasons why marine conservation work is very different from freshwater conservation work. But I felt like, wow, this is an area where, um, you know, I, I think actually if I got involved, I could help make a difference. And so, um, I took this gig with the, uh, with the Marine Fish Conservation Network. So, 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 so a couple of things. So, so first off, just on, on a personal level, I mean, I, I admire you tremendously. So this was, um, I mean, to you, you've dedicated your, your life and your career to, the, to, to conservation work, which is, you know, obviously incredibly admirable. Um, but something that that you that you just said that is interesting to me is so if you're what how is and there and there's a few other things I want to talk about but how is freshwater conservation different from saltwater you just mentioned that there there was a difference here I'm I'm curious about that well so there's a couple of differences one um, you know we have been managing our freshwater resources for significantly longer than we've been managing our uh, marine resources. Okay. Um, you know, if, if you did a, 
a podcast with with John McMurray and Tony Friedrich, yep. and it's it, and I commend it to your listeners. If you want a great primer on um, marine resource management and um, and the history, uh, Tony and John did a terrific job there. But the um, so the 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 freshwater conservation. Um, especially from, you know, the, the angler point of view, the, 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 the guy who just goes out to fish, not for a living, but um, just for enjoyment. Uh, a lot of that work was done by, you know, the Isaac Walton League for one and, and Trout Unlimited after, uh, it, it, and I think Trout Unlimited is, Isaac Walton League is over a hundred years old and I think Trout Unlimited is getting pretty close to that. But those folks saw what was happening to our waters and stepped in and really activated people a lot like what we do today um, and got laws put in place and got management um, measures put in place and accountability put in place and and um, working with the states and the feds, you know, pointed to the importance of these outdoor resources. And, um, you know, I, during my time, I was on the board of the American Fly Fishing Trade Association for nine years. And, you know, it is it is one of the things that drove AFTA's policy point of view was you know, it was access to healthy habitat created recreational opportunity that drove economic activity. And, and so what that means is that if you don't have a place to fish, you're not going to have a fishing business. Yeah. All no fish, of, no of that, no fish, no customers. And there, and that is absolutely rock solid in the freshwater, um, you know, uh, world, if you will, and and um, and and fly anglers, to their great credit, um, have a, adopted a conservation ethos almost from the get go. And yeah. we, you know, we could we could spend a whole podcast talking on the history of fly fishing, but but so so where does this happen? So what's the difference? Your question was, what's the difference between the marine side? Well, the marine side is one. It was in the mid seventies when because of intrusions from foreign fishing vessels, um, the Magnuson-Stevens Act was put in place to protect our commercial fishing interests. And But over the years, and as it's been reauthorized, and it's supposed to be reauthorized every 10 years, and we're in the reauthorization cycle right now, um, there have been management schemes put in place that um, have improved the opportunities for for fishing both for commercial and for recreational and and the and the different elements or sectors that use um, our marine resources. Um, but what we're seeing is the 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 impact of legacy activities, right where you know back in the in the 40s and 50s, dilution was a solution. Well, we saw what happened when we did that to our rivers and, and lakes, but we haven't taken the same 
interest in what's that doing to our oceans. And, you know, one of the things that um, is, is, you know, an easy one to see is plastics, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, what I saw was, you know, the, the plastic gyras across the, 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 our, 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 the global oceans. I saw, you know, entanglements. I saw, um, you know, just the impact on those resources. And it annoyed me. And we are, we're really in the early stages. If, I mean, if you think, you know, mid seventies to 2020, it's, it, we're early on here. And um, it's much more challenging because there aren't a variety of laws to fall back on to enforce good practices in our marine spaces. I thought this might be a good uh, spot to take a quick break and thank Turna Flats, um, another one of our sponsors. Turna Flats is Belize's premier saltwater fly fishing, scuba diving, and marine ecotourism destination. Turna Flats is a charter member of 1% for the Planet, is Green Globe certified, and most recently has installed a solar system that not only meets 80% of its energy needs, but also helps to solve climate change. Visit tflats.com to book your next fly fishing adventure and sleep well knowing you are supporting a lodge that puts sustainability first. Wow, that was a really long answer. To <laughs> no, no, but it, it, no, it's interesting because I, I like the I like the history of it, but also, yeah, you're exactly. I mean, a lot of people, and myself included, you know, I, I don't think I just I've never really thought about how long, like for example, Trout and Lemon has been around. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like it's crazy. Wow, it's been like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And I I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, and you know, grew up fishing and, and, and enjoying the, the resources like, like any American who, who lives on the coast, I would imagine that has an opportunity to go out and, and fish. Um, but th- there is a different ethos and mindset in saltwater. It's, it's a, f- it's a fill the cooler mindset in a lot of places. Um, and so to, yeah, I've just, I, I've just, I appreciate your perspective because I've never thought of it in, ter- in, in terms of we're kind of just starting on the, on the Marine side of things, but um, yeah. So anyway, that, 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 yeah. that's helpful. Well, and, and, and you, and you make a, and you make it, and, that, and that's one of the distinctions here, right? You don't have a commercial fishery to the size that you have. You don't have a commercial fishery in our freshwater areas that you do in our Marine areas. Right. I mean, it's, our oceans are a, a major food source. Our our freshwater, re, our freshwater resources are not a major food source. Yeah, um, and and so that's a that's a big tension. And and when Warren Magnuson and Ted Stevens were looking at that, they, that was what was driving them. This was an economic interest, and um, so you know. We didn't, we have historically, we being the United States, have historically um, undervalued our recreational resources. 
um, at the at their expense to benefit our commercial resources. And you can see that on the terrestrial side with extraction industry versus recreational industry. But we're now beginning to see those same lessons are being learned in the marine space, right? Yeah. So, um, but the tension there is this commercial um, use of our, our marine resources. And it's an essential, essential use of those marine resources. And by and large, the commercial players will do a good job. And they're like any big business, is what they're really looking for is certainty. And that's why they have embraced the, the last um, iteration of the Magnuson-Stevens Act. Um, and because it gives them certainty on how they're doing their business. And um, but it's a it's a tension we don't see in the terrestrial side, and you know for me it's fascinating. It's it's a it's a wonderful um, venue to operate in, even if at sometimes it's really heartbreaking because you see the damage that's been done and you see the lack of awareness to to how to how to get to a solution and then and again i'll go back to your podcast with tony and john is you know they talked about managing for abundance and it's something that um you know is almost a no-brainer on the terrestrial side and yet it's a challenge to get people to embrace it on the on the marine side and in fact you know john tells the story about how you know he's vilified for for taking that 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 approach and so we're learning some very important lessons in the marine space that and i think i'm fortunate because i've been able to operate in the terrestrial side you know we'd already learned in the in the in the uh on the terrestrial side, those lessons. Yep. And 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 part of Magnuson Stevens, from from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that made Magnuson Stevens uh, such a success was the fact that they took a science based approach. I mean, am I am I wrong there? Or no, no, right? absolutely. Right. I mean that that was that was the the key to its success. In fact. Yeah, and, and the key to it, it was the, the science is underpinning the, the management requirements and the accountability requirements. They're saying we're managing to these scientific numbers. And, you know, you're always, and it's unfortunate that it almost seems like a badge of honor these days, but you're always going to have people who criticize the science. Well, as, you know, I said to someone this morning, you know, Science doesn't really care what your opinion is. Right. Science is a science. And um, <clears throat> so that's where you get into the politics and the advocacy. And that's my world. I, you know, I am not a policy guy. I understand it. I know how to write legislation, but you know, I can't tell you the 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 every provision and section and paragraph of the Magnus and Stevens Act, but I know a hell of a lot about the politics, a hell of a lot about the politics. <laughs> and um, so, 
you know, that's the world I play in. And um, it, it is, it is very comforting to know that I am defending a law that is foundational in science. That is where they hang their hat. And it is, the goal is to create sustainable, abundant fisheries for all users. In this, if you go into the, to the terrestrial side, it's, 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 it's like the wise use movement. And it's like, so everybody gets to benefit, not just one sector. And, you know, the politics gets hairy when one sector feels like they're getting screwed and, you know, they're going to push back. And that's what happens at the, at the councils. And that's what happens at the states. And it's, 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 it can get pretty hairy. And it's, again, I'll go back to your podcast, your great podcast with John and Tony. I mean, John tells that story about, you know, how hairy it gets. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just involved in a, in a, and a little bit of a political hairiness here in, in the Commonwealth of Virginia over the management of Menhaden. And, you know, it's, I thrive on it to be, to be quite frank. Um, but I really wish I didn't have to do it. Right. And, 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 and in Virginia, if I, if, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I learned a lot from, from, from John and Tony as well on, on that. But a lot of this has to do with, the over harvesting of menhaden by corporations right uh, am i am on track there yeah well so there's <clears throat> there's one company cook who is um who owns a reduction fishery omega protein that's based it. in based in virginia um and cook is um Famous, infamous, they're involved in the steelhead and salmon fishery out in, in doing aquaculture out in the Pacific Northwest. And but <clears throat> let's not go there right now. Um, it's and so this reduction fishery is they gather up menhaden in 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 Hearst Sains and grind them up for for food, fish food and dog food and omega three oils and and it's a legitimate business and. They were operating under um, the the Atlantic States Marines Fisheries Commission Fisheries Management Plan, and um, it is all um, it, it's all a big commercial enterprise. And they've but they kind of got crosswise when um, the 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 rules set by the Atlantic States Marines Fisheries Commission were not adopted by the Commonwealth of Virginia. And where it gets politically hairy is the Commonwealth of Virginia, their General Assembly was managing Menhaden, the only fish that they were managing. Everything else was managed by the Virginia Marine Resources Commission. Um, And so because the Virginia General Assembly never uh, adopted the management measures created by the Atlantic States Marines Fisheries Commission. 
um, the Omega continued to fish and fished at a level that um, was in conflict with the Atlantic States Marines Fisheries Commission's management plan for fishing in the lower Chesapeake Bay. And it created enough of a controversy that the Secretary of Commerce found the state of the, the Commonwealth of Virginia out of compliance and said, if you don't come into compliance by June 17th of 2020, you will not be able to fish for Menhaden. Um, and that was a pretty solid shot across the bow of Omega in terms of, hey, we need to come to the table and figure out this. And what the General Assembly is doing right now is passing a law that will take the management out of the General Assembly's hands and put it back in the Virginia Marine Resources Commission's hands. Wow. So things are, yeah. th things are getting <laughs> heated. Yeah, but it actually worked out. I mean, we have a very, we're very fortunate here in Virginia to have a very talented and experienced um, Secretary of Natural Resources, Matt Strickler, who worked on Capitol Hill uh, for the House Natural Resources Committee. So he knows what the heck he's doing and he knows politics and he knows policy and he's really good. And um, and I don't say that just because he's a friend of mine, but he's really good. And so he was able to take this very hairy situation and and walk it through the General Assembly and, and to a point where even Omega is supporting the legislation. Okay, you cool. Can speculate on the politics of this, but at the end of the day, um, you know, kudos to to Omega um, for saying yes. We understand. We need to come to the table and work this out. Well, and I th and I think that you know, going back to to Eve, you know, talking about Magnus and Stevens and and how this works is it's so so I I try and over and maybe oversimplify it, but I just in order for <laughs> for my feeble brain to under to to sort all this out, I have to like put things in buckets. And the easiest way for me to describe it is to say, well, there's three ways that um, are three major environmental threats to fisheries. And to keep it very simple, I would call that the three P's. That's right. pop population, policy, and pollution. And within those three categories, there's a variety of different aspects. Um, so on the population front, worldwide population's growing. So you can look at things like overfishing and what is how how does that affect policy and i and i think magnuson when it worked when it works well when you let the science uh affect the management and the policy it's the perfect uh, really the the perfect example of how it should work um is right. when when you take a science based approach let that impact your management because our population is growing you have to affect the policy and in order to have good policy, it needs to be scientific. So um, it sounds, yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really. To be quite honest, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that. Other than <laughs> Magnuson Stevens, it, it, it kind of feels like it should be modeled, right? I mean, for for other mm -hmm. types of policy decisions, for sure. And there's and and there are other aspects of 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 Magnuson that are particularly noteworthy that aren't paralleled, at least off the top of my head, they aren't par paralleled. Uh, on the terrestrial side, at least on the aquatic side, 
um, is that, you know, you have these councils, right? You have councils in the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, South Atlantic, Gulf, um, Pacific Northwest. I'm going to miss a couple, but, but each region has a council, right? And the councils are the ones that, that have the opportunity to set the management regimes and the, and the uh, managing the, the fisheries. Um, and it's a great, it's a great tool. Now, and, and it's, it is much like the, having the Virginia Marine Resources Commission managing Manhattan as opposed to the General Assembly. You, didn't, you would not want every fish that is commercially or recreationally caught out of the ocean managed by Congress. And, 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 and I love, I love, I love those guys. They've, they've made, they've given me a great opportunity to, to have a terrific career as a lobbyist and working on the Hill, but I don't want to manage in the fish. I right. want the professionals. I want the science doing it. And, and so when you can devolve the management down to a council that is being given good science, each council has a science element to it. And the, the, um, the 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 processes that are used are you know found are based in science it's it's the it's a foundational element of of the management and accountability under magnuson and it's it's a terrific it's a terrific model right yeah i mean i'm I like my my it's it's kind of like my wheels, my wheels are, are kind of spinning over here being like, I mean, how is this, how is, how have we deviated from this model? Like it, it, it's crazy. It, it works, right? I mean, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's proven. We haven't really deviated because we haven't really used it anywhere else. And so we're, what, what one could argue is that as we get trickier issues and, um, you know, I know it's an issue that you um, are particularly interested in is we're dealing with the impacts impacts of global climate change. Yep. Um, you know, it, we can't just sort of hope we get it right. If we screw this up, there ain't no planet B. Right? Yeah, there, that's right. We're, we're, we're summarily, and it's, you know, as I say, I don't, I'm not doing this because it's going to save me. I'm 65 years old. I'm, you know, my, my time on this earth or, or I can, I can see the end, right? I know what that looks like. I, I have an idea. I'm worried more about my granddaughter and my grandson and what world are they going to have to deal with, with their, when they're my age and their grandsons and granddaughters are saying, you know, whoa, well, how come grandpappy Sadler didn't do something about this when he could have, um, and 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 I do worry about that. I mean, that is one of the things that drives my passion for this. And you know, as I as I tell people many times, if I didn't, if I couldn't guide fly fishing, I'd have eaten a pistol years ago. Um, it's you know, and and it's the it's the fly fishing guiding. Um, I'm very fortunate to guide for for a very uh, aware group here, you know, the Moss, Mossy Creek fly fishing, and and Colby and Brian are you know, it's as conservation oriented as you would possibly want. Um, so not only do we get to guide, but we get to, I get to play in the conservation world that way as well. And, and again, as I was saying, the whole point is it keeps me, it keeps me sane when I'm looking at a daunting 
element of you know the future of our of our planet yeah and and so so for me for personally it's like so i i initially started getting interested in conservation because i wanted to give back what I, I what i felt was owed because of what had you know what nature and fishing and 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 being fortunate enough to get to have all these great experiences outdoors, particularly when I lived out west and fallen fallen in love with our public lands. But now that I have a daughter who's 16 months old, this has taken on a whole nother level of oh yeah of like okay, well you know now 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 the feathers are are, are ruffled and you know <laughs> gloves are going to come off now. Mm-hmm. So so what are what are you know how do how do we do this? And I think that the you know, we've, we've kind of already said this, but I mean, I think it's worth saying again, and as you know, Magnuson should be the blueprint as, as you go forward. When, when you talk about a complex issue like climate change, because we're, what we're, and I saw this the other day in Charleston, there's, there's guys catching snook here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Charleston. Yep. So if you're Harping not in Chesapeake Bay, yeah, and and I guess it was maybe even John and Tony we were talking, and mm-hmm. and they're 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 opening up a, a white shrimp fishery mm-hmm. in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yep, which yep. is you know on, it's like look, okay, this is happening. Okay, right. it's, it's it's not there, there is no stopping that. So so what is the best way to manage it? Well, we need to take a scientific approach to affect the management and the policy. Look at Magnus and Stevens. The mm-hmm. fisheries, the the stocks rebounded. It worked. Mm-hmm. So, so I, it's a uh, you know I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but it's just it's so important. Like well, the, just, it's not the horse isn't dead, and it needs more beating. Um, it's <laughs> right. it is you're 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 absolutely right. And and here is the you know the point again. Uh, I'll beat this horse is it's the science right it's the science so if you're if you're going to make complex decisions on resource management and you're not bringing the science to bear to the problem then you are begging begging for a mistake you are begging for it and if you if there is science available and you ignore it then you are 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 practicing management malfeasance in my opinion and it's it is i don't care whether it's freshwater terrestrial land use or the marine resources there's science that we you know we put men on the moon right we have the science what we we have to have those uh, um ways of doing business that when we regulate, when we legislate, that we are doing it based on the science. And and that can be economic science. It can be, you know, physical science. It can be, um, you know, it can't, but what it can't be is just politically driven. And I know that sounds Pollyanna-ish, especially from someone who's been in this business for 40 years. But if we're going to set the stage for the future, we should do the 
utmost we can to ground it in as much knowledge as we as we have. And and I use things like um, going back to my dilution is the solution. At the time, we didn't know, right? I don't blame people who did that fifty years ago. Right. We didn't know. But if we were to continue to do it, and I am appalled that we're seeing that coming from this administration where we're rolling back environmental protections at the expense of our future. Shame on us. Shame on us for allowing that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's so the way and and, and this might be getting almost philosophical, but it, it, you know, to me, it's like, well, if science is truth. So this is. And so if if that if that is true, which I believe it to be, or, or at least the scientific method is the most reasonable way to try and come to a conclusion that I could possibly think of. And that's what the science tells us. And you deviate from that. Then you're you're wrong. You're it's, begging. You're begging to get slapped down. And and, and uh, you know who's going to slap you down? Mother Nature. At yep. some point, she's going to come along and slap you down yep. and doom on you for letting it happen when you know better. And, you know, that's the political element here. And that's where, you know, when people are looking today and saying, well, what, you know, what can I do about this is my answer is get involved. Ask people, why aren't you following the science? Why aren't we following the science here? And well, all right. So. So, yeah, so I, I guess the, so do you have an opinion on that or why, 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 why <laughs> yeah. aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, well, I, I don't have a, I have an opinion, my opinion is based on my experience of that the politics drives um, a lot of the decision making and, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like, you know, politics is evil. It's actually a lubricant and, in, and it's an important lubricant in the, in the, in the regulatory and legislative process, but it comes at a price. And what I would hope that um, men and women of goodwill would look and balance and weigh that price and say, yes, we have to make it come to a political compromise, but we understand the impacts that's going to have, and we have weighed those and said, okay, we can live with that future. And I'm, my experience tells me that doesn't happen all the time. And I, it's happening, in my opinion, significantly less than it was when I came to work in, on Capitol Hill in 1980. Um, you know, it's, it is the 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 political the policy making process today is held hostage to the political process and that is bad news very very bad news i mean all right so let's just it can it can get this can get depressing <laughs> like i mean and, and yeah and, it, but it, it's what's happening, right? I mean, it, it's like, but I guess back to what we were just saying too is, okay, well, well, 
what can I do about it? You know, and, and, and I think the, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, he's, I, I don't know who says, it. oh, it's, it's Yvonne Chouinard. He, who's, mm-hmm. who is the, the answer to depression is action or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. Right. I mean, it, it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? How are you going right. to fix it? Well, that's, that's where I was going. Right. I mean, it is, it is, um, you can get depressed. And So what's the solution to the depression? Okay, so I've, I talked about mine. Mine is to go out and guide, right? Mine is to go out and enjoy our resources. And, um, you know, I, I am a, a, you know, a enthusiast for both my cause and my, my outdoors, right? And it's, um, I don't, I don't want people to, to, to lose sight of the fact that we are a resilient race. We are resilient. The human race is resilient. I don't mean that in the ethnic side. I mean that in the, you know, species side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We are resilient. We will overcome this. The arc of justice bends towards righteousness. Um, We will adapt. We will survive. Um, but we have to be engaged in our own future. And I think it's, a, it's, I think it's enjoyable. I think it's, I think it's healthy. I think it's a way to give to your community. And I'm, again, maybe I'm Pollyannish, but at 65, I don't think I'm that Pollyannish. People will generally do the right thing. I have political discussions with very close friends, and we are 180 degrees opposed on a, on a, on a policy. But you know what? We're really good friends. And that friendship is much more important than the political values. And I think we continue to see some erosion but we also see people responding to the notion of, hey, we need to be a kinder place. And I honestly believe that um, we, will, we will work through our policy differences and, and come out on the other side a better nation for it. But it's going to be painful. Let's let's face it. It is. It, it, it's not going to be butterflies, unicorns, and and rainbows. And and nor should it be, frankly. Um, it, it, hard won victories are hard won victories, and they feel better because they're hard won. You know, it's no pain, no gain. Yeah. But um, you know, and so I think you know, it depends. I don't. I I honestly don't think most people come into the policy world come into the even the political world, although I may be changing my opinion slightly on that one, but come into the political world with malfeasance on their mind. I think, um, but I'm I'm I I do worry that sometimes a short view it overtakes a long view. But we saw that in the financial markets, and and I'm, we're seeing changes there. We're seeing. Organizations like yours, companies like yours, who are who are building a business, saying, "Look, we here's how to do it right." You're not just pointing your finger and saying you're doing it wrong. 
You're saying, let me show you how to do it right. And we're seeing that more and more. I think it was Goldman Sachs who just came up with a, with a climate business. Um, you know, it's slow. It's never as fast as we want, but there's a, a special operators mantra that is, I should have it tattooed on my feet that says, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. We're in the smooth part right now. We're, we're in the smooth part, and that means that we can make the change. But you have, to, you have to start with, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to engage. And, you know, you can engage on a variety of ways. And you, you mentioned Yvonne, and I think, you know, read his books. Follow what Patagonia is doing in, the, in their business model and, and the material that they put forward on their website, beyond the clothing, there's a whole lot of, of good information. Um, or, you know, you talk to, to um, um, Steve Hemkins from, from Orbis. Look at, look at some of these brands. Look at um, uh, how, what Orvis is doing. And, and, you know, you listen to Steve's podcast and they talk about how they're making incremental steps. That's the slow part. They're going. They're moving towards the smooth part, and that's, and that's what we all should be doing. And it's it's little things like, hey, I'm going to give up straws. I'm going to give up plastic straws, or I'm not going to take a plastic bag, or I'm going to use, um, you know, uh, aluminum water bottles instead of plastic water bottles. It's a it's a journey of a thousand steps, but you got to take the first one, and that's where the personal responsibility comes in and that's where the joy of saying I'm making a difference. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, an, that's the antidote to this, to the, to the depressing side of it. Well, yeah. And, and I agree. And, and something that, that you just said, which is something that I tell all, all of my clients is, you know, like, Hey, you know, when it comes to sustainability, it's, 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 it's a journey. It's not a destination. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it's, it's not unlike trying to be the best person that you can be or to be the best version of yourself. It's, you're doing that for your company. And, and some of it is um, you're not going to see fast results, but you're, t- you're making those steps. You're doing the incremental things of saying, okay, well, how do we do this? Or how do we get there? And it's all about taking those steps and not about pointing fingers and saying, well, you know, you didn't, you, you tried to do the right thing and you did it wrong and all that bunch of bull. It's about, Hey, we're, we're being honest and transparent as an organization. We know that we haven't, there's no such thing as a sustainable product, by the way, everything right. requires resources. Right. right. So, so it's not, it's, there, there is no, but it's all about being the best version of yourself, right? Or being the best version of your company. And what does that look like? And to me, it looks like, well, let's do, um, when, when, when you factor in things like growing worldwide population, um, it would make sense to start doing everything that you can to responsibly manage resources now mm-hmm. for the benefit of future generations. And that's sort of, you know, getting into the, you know, the original definition of sustainability from the uh, UN uh, sustainable development goal definition. Right. You know? And so, but, but, but that's the, that's the deal. And I think that's, you know, if anyone listening to this as a, as a business owner, um, you know, 
I think an, an important thing for for every to everyone to consider is just take the first step, do the little things. And even if it's not a big deal or it's not like a big marketing story for your company or whatever, just do it because it's the right thing to do. And those things will start to add up and you'll start to see the benefit and it'll feel good. And you'll want to keep doing more of it because it ultimately is the right thing to do. And that's right. So anyway, that's that's my two cents on that. Right on, and you're and you're spot on, and, and and I'm thrilled that you've got a business that does that and helps educate people, and um, you know, it is it is it is that journey of a thousand miles, and it is you take the first step, and that you feel better for doing it, and pretty soon, you know, what was once a nuisance is now a habit. And then you take, you take another one on and you take another one on and you know, you're contributing to the good of your fellow man. Right. And, and I, you know, yes, I am fully aware of the tragedy of the commons, but I'm also recognize that, that people will respond in a good way, given the opportunity and that, um, you know, we can, we, we don't have to legislate common sense. In fact, we can't legislate common sense. We can't legislate morality, but we can certainly educate. And that's where I think we have a tremendous opportunity and, 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 and things like this podcast where people are having conversations, where your guests are talking about these subjects is a tremendous resource for people in the now and into the future to say, well, how do we, how do we, how do we deal with this problem? I had the great opportunity to go speak to a fifth grade class and they wanted to know about plastics. They wanted to know about pollution in the ocean. Right. And so I picked this one subject because it's so fast. And I said, let's talk about plastics. And we went through the aluminum bottles and the, and the plastic straws. And, and, and I said, but I'm a fishing guide, right? I, 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 I have fishing products and I want to show you a fishing product that is made with fishnets and they couldn't believe it. And I pulled out this, this, um, fish pond bag and I passed yeah. it around and they were just thrilled. Right. So it, it was a tangible thing for them to see, but it was an example of an, of a business, a company that had said, "Hey, we're going to make, we're going to take a step. We're going to, we're going to take these derelict nests and turn them into a product." And you know, they're, you know, Patagonia does the same thing, and and you know, you're looking at recycled materials, and you know, it's it's these incremental steps that are important to do, and they're important to celebrate. They're not important to point to and say, well, you should be doing what they're doing. No, it's, it's aren't they doing a great job? Aren't they do, you know, it's positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so, yeah, so I love that story too. Um, it, because I think that particularly, you know, you look at a, a class of fifth graders now, like the, the world that they'll be growing up in will mm-hmm. be very different, but the business world they will be growing up in, in my opinion, is going to be, um, one where if you're not solving a social or environmental problem, then you're not going to be in business very long because they have to be solved. And so that's that's a perfect example of it. I think you're right. And I think, you know, 
Anna's seen that. Shenard's seen that. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's staking the company's reputation on that. And I think it's, it's brave and I think it's terrific. And I think it's laudatory and fly fishing trade association. They looked Colby Tro, who was on the board and ultimately became chairman, um, you know, who owns Mossy Creek fly fishing said, Hey, look at all these plastic boxes and there a better way to do this. And he went out and worked to find a cardboard solution, a recycled cardboard solution. And, you know, it's, it is a tremendous, it turned out to be economically a good idea too, yep. which is great, but it was, it was a way to, for the industry. And it was one guy, it was one guy. It wasn't like the whole industry came in and said, Hey, we're going to do this. It was like, Colby said, this sucks. We're going to do something. We got to do something about this. And he did. And, you know, it's something that was a little step, but now is, you know, sort of, like a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't you do this? And 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 there's a certain amount of peer pressure out there where people say, "Yeah, you mean you're still using those plastic cups? Yeah, yeah. You know, did you know you could save some money? It's not like, do you know you have to do the right thing? No, it's do you know you could save some money? Um, and that's the you know that's the the important of the economic science behind doing the right thing. And I think Chenard's figured this out. And, yeah, and 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 you've got a business that's that's pointing that out to people. Yeah, well, I, I think and, and that and that's part of it too. Is 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 it's not only the right thing to do. There's a legitimate business case for it. So to not do it is just bad business. <laughs> like it's just it's just no, not a good business decision. You know? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's my opinion that I don't want to be one of those hippie tree huggers. So I'm going to continue to use plastic. Great. Yeah. Keep at it, dude. I'll, I'll see you when you're busy. I'll buy your shit after it, after your business is closed. You know, right. I, I don't mean to be ugly about it, but I mean, that's, you know, it's like, okay, fine. Be stupid. You know what? That's, that's fine. There's a, there's an award. It's called the Darwin Awards for stupid people. <laughs> I'll, I'll applaud for you. you know, uh, that's hilarious. So, you know, and it's, 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 it's a, it's, it's really not hard. And, and when you see, when you see the kids get it and I went back, you know, so I went back recently, they, they, they invited uh, me back to see their, their project results, right? They, they, they do project-based learning there. And so they were showing me, their brochures and their videos. And it was, I was so stoked to see, you know, I probably saw 90 kids, right. Who would put these things together. And it's like, wow, these guys really get it. They're really, really excited about making a difference and talking about this stuff. And, you know, I applaud the teachers. I applaud the school system for saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, give this information to these kids and give them an opportunity to learn from it and learn and put their hands on it. And, and it's, that's the thing that keeps me in the game. That's the thing that keeps me in the game. Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, and it's so inspiring too, you know, when you see something like that and that's the, I've, I've used this quote in in several episodes. So I don't, I don't know if anyone is like a, a serial sustainable angler listener. So you may, maybe you've never heard <laughs> this before. Um, but it's one of my favorite quotes about, and, 
and I, and the conversation is not necessarily intentionally gone this way every, when we start talking about it. But at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where um, this, it, it really, I won't, I won't say sums up the conversation because I still have a, a few more things I want to talk with mm-hmm. you about it. If you, if you have a few more minutes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, but it, it is such a powerful quote from someone who I also respect is uh, Paul Hawken. If, if anyone is ever, ever looking for some great, sustainable business books. He's also the recent one, which I would encourage if they're looking for, for some hope on the, on the climate change front, um, is project drawdown 100 solutions to solve global warming. There's some interesting information in there, but that said the quote is, and I had to, and I had to look this up while while we were talking because I I don't, I don't Mm. have this memorized just so everyone knows, but it says, if you look at the science that describes what is happening on earth today and you aren't pessimistic, you don't understand data. If you meet people in this unnamed movement and aren't optimistic, you haven't got a heart. Meaning that, yeah, if we if we look at some of this data and we talk about climate change or you know fisheries conservation and 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 good policy, bad policy, it can get daunting. But if you look at what exactly what you're talking about, you look at these kids or you look at these companies or you look at these people who are doing all these wonderful things and good things and aren't motivated by that, then you're really kind of missing the point. And, um, I, did, I don't know. I, I just love that quote and it has been good to be able to, I guess, uh, revert back to that when, sure. when, 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 when sometimes I, I might be feeling a little bit down, uh, about some of the things that are happening. So I think it's a, it's a good one, but it's a great one. And I think what it says is that there are a lot of heroes out there, right? And it's not hard for, for an individual to be a hero to do that, take that one step, that one, take that one action that makes a difference, that starts to make a difference. That's, it's, you know, um, you know, you, you get a chance to run to the sound of the gunfire. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, well, one of the things are, are, are another of the things, so we've been talking a lot about this, but what I, I think that if I was listening, I would want to know more about, um, is we didn't really get into, we said that you were with the Marine, uh, fish conservation network, but we didn't talk about like specifically what <laughs> y'all do and what your mission is. And I, and I want to make sure that we, we, we talk about that because okay. y'all do really important work. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I think we do. Um, if you think about the Marine fish conservation network in this way is, if you're if you're walking along the waterfront and you look at the different businesses and organizations that you would see along the waterfront, whether it's Newport or Charleston or you know San Diego, um, you know you've got small boat commercial guys, you've got recreational fishermen, you've got scientists, you've got NGOs, you've got dive shops, sailboats. I mean, you name it. You got businesses. You've got users, you've got scientists, you've got, uh, you know, organizations, and those are our constituents, right? And we, we, we work with all of those constituents to help develop public policy that is aimed at um, creating abundant fisheries and maintaining abundant fisheries. And we do that 
and I and I've alluded to this is we do that in support of our national fishing law, the Magnuson-Stevens Act, and um, so as we do that, we do that through a collaborative process. We don't write, you know, Rob and I and and the rest of the team don't sit down and write out. Here's the legislation that everybody should support. Um, we go through an iterative process. We look and say, let's identify the things that are that could could that that work well, things that could be strengthened, things that maybe are impediments, and let's have those conversations. And we and we we have some basic goals and um, you know legislative priorities, and um, all of that is on our website, and and it's it's conservefish.org, pretty simple website to find, conservefish.org, and um, w- you know we we. <clears throat> None of this will come as a shock. We're we're very supportive of what what we like to call working waterfronts, the 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 community that I just talked about, those people making sure that um, that there is a there is a healthy business environment. And um, while we 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 are very business oriented, we're not just a trade association like AFTA or, or something else or OIA or something like that. Um, you know, we, we, we represent other groups and, and uh, other user groups, recreational fishermen, surfers, uh, you know, sailors, et cetera, et cetera. But the other one, and, and the one, and I skipped over this and it's, and I shouldn't know, cause it was one that I, I had the most excitement about these days is, is our, our culinary community, our chefs and, um, the suppliers to our chefs and our chefs are, um, it, it's really, <clears throat> um, the whole culinary side of this is, is fascinating because they have a, they're, they're, they're like, is, uh, in, in a lot of respects, they're like fly fishing guides or fishing guides is they, they rely on the abundance of the ocean to pre- to support their business. And then they do really creative stuff with that abundance. Um, and so, so you know, restaurants and seafood processors are all part of the constituency. Um, and then we're very no, this will come as no shock. We're 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 very supportive of the science-based um, underpinnings of the Magnuson Act, um, and um, you know, the the way we manage our fisheries and. It is grounded. Um, and so those are pretty much the top level things that we um, focus on. And we focus on that through the reauthorization of the Magnuson-Stevens Act, but also as the separate pieces of legislation pop up, we we pay attention to them. We have discussions about them. We, we, we run them. We have a we have a board and a policy council, and our policy council is made up of constituents from those sectors. And um, you know, we we vet those proposals, and we vet um, you know our 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 posture or position on 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 uh, on different policy proposals through that. As again, it's not Tom Sadler or Rob Vandermark deciding today, hey, you know what, we're going to be all in favor of X, Y, and Z. 
So it's very collaborative. Um, and we, we work to strengthen other organizations. Um, you know, so if there's a, a, like John's group, right, we, we, we work, help them. Um, we find opportunities for them. We, um, we look for ways to work collaboratively with them to um, help advance um, postures and positions that are are consistent with where we are. Um, we work with with AFTA. We work with um, a variety of different groups to do that. And then what we bring to the table is, you know, we've got some pretty serious policy chop. We've got um, we've got a you know, uh, a lobbying element to what we do. Um, we have a um, a communications tool or or, or 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 aspect to what we do, and that's where I spend more time. I'm not I'm I'm not the policy guy. I you know I've, as I've said, I, I that's not my strong strength, but in terms of, so if somebody's, if we're coming together and I'll use our chefs as an example, right? If so if, if the chefs are saying, gee, how do we see this, right? What's the right way to say this? We help them craft their messages. Um, we work with the media uh, that comes from my background in the outdoor media. Um, and, um, and we try to share what we learn, and we do that through our blog. Um, it's um, try to have at least one blog article up a week. Um, sometimes we have more, sometimes we miss a week, but um, we have a variety of writers who write for us, and, and it's mostly educational. There's, you know, there, there are not a lot of Joe and me stories up there. I don't think there may be one or two. Um, but it's really um, current event-oriented educational material. That helps our constituency understand um, different aspects of implemented, impacted, developed, you know, it depends. And it's not, and it's not always all federal. Like um, the, I'm looking at the most recent blog part article uh, is on, on type bass at the, at the Atlantic States Marines Fisheries Commission, which you know, is outside of Magnuson. Striped bass isn't managed by Magnuson. I, I'll put a plug in for, I think it should be, but um, right. nor is Benhaid, right? So, um, so we're not just there. And also, you know, we do, um, I don't know if Congressman Cunningham is your congressman, but we did a piece with, he did a thing called uh, Ocean's Moment, where we talk to, we, we, we interview um, or give them some questions and they give us their perspective on, um, uh, and we put that up on our blog. And, you know, uh, Congressman Cunningham is obviously one of the climate change leaders in, on, on the Hill. And I think the world of him, I think he's terrific. I need hard more. Of him. Um, <clears throat> so, so it's communications, it's policy development, it's message work, it's education, <clears throat> but it's not top down. It's bottom up. Yeah. 
So taking a, a collaborative approach to it all with, with different stakeholders and making sure that their, their voices are, are represented. Um, you said it much better, much more succinctly than I did. That's <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, I, I just, I, I'm familiar with what y'all do, but I, I feel like, um, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like there should be more people who are, are talking about what y'all do because I'm, I'm, I've been following and I use y'all as a resource and I'm always, you know, staying current with, with what y'all have going on. So, um, anyone. It's always a tension in our business is, you know, we're a, we're a collaborative convener and, and, um, you know, it's, we, we really try to shine the light on other people than ourselves. Um, and, you know, it, um, it sometimes means that people don't know who we are and, um, stakeholders getting the credit um than than us getting the credit although you know we 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 like to believe that the the approach that we take is um one that lifts all boats including our own yep um well if if anyone listening um again wants to find out more information on marine fish conservation network um Go to conservefish.org. Um, are y'all y'all are a, a nonprofit? Is that right? I mean, mm-hmm. is that, is yeah, that we're, the deal? we're a C3. Yep. So you can also go there. Well, There's a, C3, you can there is a donut, there is a donate now button on our website. So you, you, you took you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly where I was going. I was like, and there is a donate button in the top right corner of the website. Um, and I'm sure thank that you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're, we're very active on social media, usually Facebook. Um, you know, we do not have an Instagram account that we work with. We do, um, we do do. Twitter, but mostly Twitter is amplification of our Facebook. But Rob, who does most of the Facebook stuff, because I have a love-hate with it. Um, we, um, a lot of times there's information that we would, we could share on our blog, but that, um, you know, we know that the, 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 uh, the community garden, the, the, the community square, the town square is actually Facebook's the marine conservation networks on the from the waterfront block. So we're that one. So I'll, I, w- I would very much encourage people to uh, find us on Facebook and keep track of what we're doing there. Um, does a terrific job of amplifying stuff from from different quarters. Yep. Um, okay. Cool. I hate the damn thing. <laughs> 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 um all right so let, let let let's shift gears a little bit here here towards sure. the end and and talk a little a little fishing um so 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 you are a guide in virginia uh-huh. what are mm-hmm. what are what are y'all uh what species are, are you targeting and 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 whereabouts do you do you fish in virginia sure well so I'm I'm going to give a plug for Mossy Creek Fly Fishing, the best fly shop in Virginia, probably the best fly shop in the Mid Atlantic, and I think it's the fly shop on the planet. But there you go. Yes, <laughs> uh, I am very biased, but we're very fortunate. The Shenandoah Valley sits between uh, George Washington National Forest and the 
in the uh, Shenandoah National Park. We're red basket of the Confederacy. And what that means is that to the east and west of us are thousands of miles of and, um, my proudest work in, in freshwater conservation is Brown Brook Trout. And um, so I we spend a fair amount of time in spring and, and uh, working with our clients to fish in our uh, brook trout water, public water. Um, and then the valley floor is full of spring creeks. And so we manage about six miles of of spring creeks where we've got browns and rainbows and brook trout and um spectacular it's absolutely spectacular and there's a section we we manage private sections we have a fee fish area that we manage but there's also public water that the virginia department of game and inland fisheries manages in concert with or cooperation with the landowners and trout unlimited um and um so you don't have to have, you can go fish for rounds uh, on Mossy Creek, which is sort of what it's known for. It's a storied creek um, here in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, and it was, there was a park that was um, instigated by Brian and Colby Tro, who own Mossy Creek Fly Fishing, and in concert with um, I think the Fish and Wildlife Service. Bob, NRCS was involved, National Resource Conservation Service, um, limited to to restore Mossy Creek to its original been um, it had been flooded to make a pond. The pond had I mean a lake, the lake had been the dam had been breached, the lake had been drained, and it had just created one basin. It was restored to its natural or, or as close to as historic meanders as possible, which turned it into a terrific uh, brown trout fishery. And um, that's, that's all, you know, 30 minutes from the shop. Um, and so I get to do all of that. And as I said, it is, it is what keeps me sane. Um, I get to go fish. Um, most weekends I get to guide most weekends and, um, we, uh, we have classes, we have our own classes and then we're a, a Orbis endorsed school. So we, I think we're going to run either 12 or 16 classes this year. Um, so we, we do a lot of angler education, um, which is, you know, that's, if there's an entry point in foundation, I think flash is one of the, the, the premier um, creators of conservationists because, um, you know, you, you, the stories of fishing, fly fishing are replete with, you know, the majesty of the, of the fishing and the majesty of the locations. And um, we explain to people that you can't have this if you don't protect it. And, um, and people get it. I mean, that's, I think that's just one of the fundamental elements of the fly fishing world is that conservation ethos. So, and, and I'm very fortunate to work with who cares about that. They dedicate a lot of time, a lot of their financial resources to, to doing um, the conservation work. And they've been very active.
over the years. And the shop's been around for 17 years. So, and the boys just turned 40. So you can see that a couple of young guys started early, started not probably in the best financial times and have created a tremendous uh, fly shop. I, I commend people to, you want to see a pretty fly shop. Three years ago, um, we moved the shop into a historic building in, in Harrisonburg. And so it's very community oriented that way. Um, I love it. All right. Well, special thanks to Tom Sadler for taking the time to do an interview with me here on The Sustainable Angler. Um, we did have some uh, technical difficulties towards the end of the call, and I wanted to make sure that some of this information was clear. Um, so if you would like to support the work or make a donation to the Marine Fish Conservation Network, uh, their website is conservefish.org. Also, Tom has a great blog with lots of information regarding conservation and fly fishing in Virginia, and that is at middlerivergroup.com. And you can also book a day of fishing with Tom Sadler at Mossy Creek Fly Fishing, and their website is mossycreekflyfishing.com. So again, thanks to Tom for for joining uh, me on the Sustainable Angler. And if you enjoyed uh, this episode or um, or any of the episodes that we put out, um, don't forget to give us a rating and review on iTunes or a follow, like, or a share. That really helps us out a lot. Um, And you can also find the Sustainable Angler anywhere if you listen to podcasts. So... Uh, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, and more recently, we're, we're now also on iHeartRadio. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.